This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello there and welcome to another week on the Behold podcast. Now, today is Friday, and last night, as you heard us give a promo for last week, we had our elders forum, and it was really awesome. Got to hear from all seven elders on a variety of topics, and so for this week's Behold podcast, we are going to play that elders forum. So sit back, enjoy, and listen to the seven elders of Valley Bible Church. Love you guys. Catch you next week. All right, let's invite All right, guys, them up. man, I love this. The elders are going to hate this. Let's get a drum roll going. Let's get a drum roll and welcome up the elders of VBC to us. All right. Look at Gary's face. I love it. Keep okay. it going. Keep it going. Woo! Let's switch spots here. Can you mind? Wow. So as they get situated up there, you'll notice that Sean and I are going to sit here. We're going to moderate this time. And, uh, and our goal, will, this will, we're in swivel chairs, which allow us to swivel to them and to swivel to you. How it works is uh, we've got some questions for these men. And then uh, uh, we might do some follow-up. Um, you, if you've got questions, write them down. And they can pass. What was the other thing that I missed? That you, They can pass. You can write... Fellas, when one of you is answering, we might ask, does anybody else want to chime in here? You're welcome to chime in, but we also are on a clock. Sean's going to tell us about Whose the clock. Whose daughter is screaming in the back of the room? It's mine. It's my daughter. I, was, I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything. But isn't it cute? I think it's cute. Yeah. All right. If you don't know the elders, let's just introduce them really quick. As I say their names, say hi, name. Don't say names. Say their yeah. names. Yeah. So from the left to right, we got Brent. Hello, hi, Brent. Brent. Randy. Hi, Randy. Hi, Randy. say it. Tim. Hello, Tim. Gary. Devin, Jim, Gary. Wow. Grateful hey, to have you all. Don't the three of them look adorable on that little couch? <laughs> you do. You do. You do. Okay. Tell them quickly about the, the time frame. We're going to stay on it. We're going to tell you elders and the audience as well. All right. So, so we want to keep this rolling. We want to respect everyone's time. And we want to get to every topic, most importantly, that's on our list for tonight, which means we've got to move quick. So how is it going to work? There's a few categories for the night. And as we're in each category, we're going to ask them a question, and I'm literally going to say, Tim Barley, what is your favorite shoe brand? You have two minutes. And a, a countdown will appear for two minutes, and he's got two minutes to answer about his shoes. If he doesn't answer in two minutes, then that's his problem. Yeah, and we'll cut him off. Yeah, but I don't want to hear, we don't want to hear two minutes about his shoes. But we, yes. want, we wanted, like, award-ending music to play, but I don't think we got it. So I think Dan's just going to start singing from the back yeah. when their time is up. Also, a lot of these questions came in from the types of, of things we've heard you ask about, and so that's what we're going to hit tonight. Yeah? Awesome. Good. Start off with, a, with, a, with some icebreakers. I love it. How are you guys doing up there? Good. You feeling good? You're going to pass. Do you have a mic? Jim. Microphone, Jim. Oh, microphone. you really? There you go. Okay. So you're, you're unfortunately, oh, there's two up there. That's great. We're going to have to pass a mic back and forth between the two, uh, you guys. Let's start with some icebreakers. So uh, let's hit these two first. Um, Brent, favorite cereal? Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. All right. Uh, philosophical question, uh, Devin. Is cereal soup? Why or why not? <laughs> Give the man a mic. No, I hope you don't put chicken broth in it. Okay, all right. Okay, Randy, while we're on the topic of philosophy of food, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no, and why not? No, because you put it on a bun. 
Oh, okay. In Europe, in Europe, they disagree, Randy. Okay. Uh, all right. Here we go. Uh, let's go on to Gary Stafford. Honestly, since we're sticking with food, how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Pineapple on pizza. It is. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm a big. I'm a big pineapple fan. You're in favor of it. Who's with Gary? How many people pineapple on pizza? Oh, wow. wow, wow. Do you know the internet really argues over this one? Really? I think it has to be fresh grilled pineapple. Try this one. Pineapple, pepperoni, and jalapeno on a pizza. It'll change your life. This is change a lot of time. In the spirit of unity, we're going to move forward. Okay. Gary, what? what's your favorite kind of cheese? Sharp cheddar. Wow. Why sharp cheddar? It's good. Okay. Sharp cheddar. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Getting a little more difficult. Who are we going to ask? Jim, this is a tough one. I know you've, you've answered this question before. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Jim, you remember the answer. I, I'm going to go with 112. Wow, wow. The answer is actually 113, but not, they were close. <laughs> close, close, close. Okay, here we go. How about, did everybody get answer, a question? Do we want to get to do one? Tim didn't. Come on, Tim. Tim, what would you rather face? 113 chickens or one elephant? One elephant for sure. Really? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Chicken. All right, do you guys feel like they're warmed up? All right, all right. All right, let's get going. Let's get on to the real stuff. So our first category of the night, we're calling this BBC Nuts and Bolts. So these are questions about BBC and kind of the way things are operating at the moment. First question is for Mr. Tim Barley. Tell us about, because I think not everyone knows, tell us about some of these shifts that have happened in the roles of our staff at Tier 2 campuses. You have three minutes, go. Okay. Hi. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we don't have a senior pastor but don't feel sorry for us. We like not having a senior pastor. Yeah. Uh, we, we're convinced that the, the uh, testimony from Scripture is that there should be a plurality of pastors within a church so you don't develop a cult of personality, so that there's shared responsibilities. We, we love that. We're always raising up new pastors, teachers. And we don't ever want to uh, become a megachurch. Uh, because what we'll do is when we outgrow this building, we'll plant another campus someplace else. That, that's, our, that's our goal. That's our philosophy. We, we want to keep it relatively small so we get to know people. So we have, currently have two campuses, the Crossing Campus. And what's the other one? Altamont. The Altamont and Livermore. Correct. And so there's always been a, a sharing of leadership that's gone on there. But um, in the past few years, we've, we've lost a couple of our key players there. Jay Scott was an elder. Uh, Patrick uh, Wayman was one of the pastors. Patrick is now with Jesus. Jay is burning in Texas. Wow. Uh, and so uh, we needed to make some shifts or some things. So over COVID, we began to evaluate, you know, how the balance is with the campuses. And so we made some decisions. So uh, our children's ministry director at the, at the Altamont moved to... Albuquerque or someplace I don't really know. So we're currently uh, negotiating with a woman by the name of Nicole Dow to oversee the children's ministry there. Uh, Gary Darnell, Devin Dodgen, and Nathan Baird, who oversees discipleship development, they are, are uh, we've done some shifting and they're going to spend most of their time at the Altamont campus. Uh, Charlie Meng, who used to spend most of his time at the Altamont campus, is now going to be what we call a floater. Um, and he's going to spend probably shared time between the campuses. That's a good thing for Charlie for a lot of reasons. If you want to uh, find out why, ask Charlie. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're going to see how that settles. We may, we may shift some more in the future, but that's the beauty of having shared leadership between the campuses. We're, we're constantly doing that. Not, not to 
confuse people, but because we're trying to assess needs and uh, address them that way. With 40 seconds to spare, give them a hand, everybody. Wow. Hey, does anyone want to a follow-up question in 40 seconds or less? Follow-up question for me about that topic. Or did he cover it so well? Great, We're good, good work, good work. All right, follow up regarding personnel and staff and pastoral leadership and all that stuff. So one of the bigger transitions that's happened recently is with VBC Kids here at The Crossing. So give us an update on what's the latest with the leadership of VBC Kids. Yes, so um, oh, pastor, sorry, three minutes. Pastor of Children's Ministry, uh, Karen Glovey, she and her family are uh, uh, going to move to North Carolina. Uh, and we're not going to allow her to, to serve remotely. So we need to replace her. So we are going through the process. Currently, there are six people that we're talking to about possibly stepping into that role. Uh, but we've asked someone to, in the interim, oversee the children's ministry. And she actually is the vice principal of San Ramon Valley Christian Academy. She has children's ministry experience. And so she has uh, basically said, I will be willing to to serve in this transition period. Karen's leaving, this is her last Sunday, so make sure you smother her with hugs and kisses um, if you're at this campus on Sunday. And uh, after this Sunday, this new uh, angel is going to step in and help us out. Her name is Amy Weber, so you can cheer wildly right now because we're so grateful. Yes, um, so she's helping out in the transition while we are finding the person that will step in and uh, take that role. We're also doing a major children's ministry, uh, a remodel for the children's ministry bay. And so demolition starts uh, the first week in August. We're putting in restrooms, children's restrooms in that facility, uh, blowing out a wall in the hallway. So there's a huge reception area and even a little children's auditorium that will be placed in there as well. King of the League, he's so proud of himself. He looks like... uh, any questions about BBC Kids? Follow up, all you parents out there. Don't forget, you can text. Ask Pastor Jay at, I don't remember. I, I think somebody asked. Can I give him a mic? Oh. I think somebody asked if, um, uh, if they need volunteers. Yes, they do need volunteers. Oh, yeah. Look at that. that was the Holy Spirit told you that. Okay. Enough said. Wow. Moving along. Okay, we get, we're buying some time. Uh, this one's for Gary Darnell, three minutes. We're looking for, uh, just in terms of the teaching schedule, you, ever, you oversee the teaching team. How does that work in terms of picking the teaching schedule? In the aftermath of the COVID-19 year, year and a half, uh, part of the change that we did during that time was we had greater variety in terms of who spoke, especially on Sunday mornings. And so we have always, as Tim just described, we've always had the understanding from Scripture that we need to be raising up and training leaders uh, all the time. And so we have been taking steps to do that over the last 15 to 20 years. And so uh, it just seemed like when we came back into meeting, you know, face to face, that, that was the time to institute some changes. And so I went from speaking maybe 80% of the time here to speaking only once a month. And so, uh, and Devin came up with this great, I think great and very wise uh, way of doing it. When we, well, anyway, I'll just describe it. So Charlie, for example, will speak at one campus on week number one, and then he'll preach the same message week number two at the other campus. And then Nate Baird will do a similar kind of thing. And then I take once a month. And who am I leaving out? Tim Johnston will, will do some teaching as well. 
and uh, Jason Moog, obviously, Tim Barley, we let Tim on occasion come up. And uh, so, so it just seemed like the perfect time to do that because we were so disparate in terms of the way we had done things during COVID. And, uh, and so we continue that process. Instead of being up front on Sunday so much, I get to invest my time in the teaching team and the younger guys coming up and I get emails with their outlines and so I fill it with red ink and send it back in a huff and, and they've, they've learned to take it in stride. And uh, yeah, and we also, just by way of encouragement, we have a new crop from a younger generation than the old guys like Jason Moog, he's no longer the young kid. Uh, Jason and Nate and Charlie so they're, they're, they're kind of the, the solid base, but we got some other younger guys who are coming up in the process. And so uh, very grateful. Um, we're trying to fulfill what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, where he, he said, uh, what I have done in your life to train, pass on this deposit, says you do the same thing to faithful men who will then be able to do the same thing to another generation of faithful men. And so we are simply trying to be faithful in that process. Amen. Good. Amazing. On, on this note, we had someone submit this question to us and ask, how is this schedule formed? And they actually went so far to create their own video-based description of how they think the process works. So play the video and let's see what their idea was for how the teaching schedule is formed. This does not look correct. Oh, okay. Well, we've heard it's excellent. It is, it is great. And hey, when you, when you watch this later in the newsletter, the video will be there and you're going to be like, wow, what a creative person that did this. And we do love creativity. Hey, moving on. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to move on to some what we call family matters. So Sean, lead us in some family matters. Who's next? Yeah, so this is things pertaining to really, because we call ourselves all the time. We're a church family, right? We're not a building. We're not an organization. We are a family. So these are questions kind of pertaining to the, the health and the care of our church family together. So this is from Mr. Gary Stafford. You know, a lot of thoughts and mentalities have shifted during COVID-19, and we're watching church from home and all that stuff. So where are we at? How important is it in your estimation that we meet in person versus just watching church online? Okay, thank you. And I have graciously accepted Tim's extra two minutes. Good. Wow. <laughs> thank you. So let's, we're going to take a step back just for a second, uh, about a year and a half ago, back to March of 2020. And at that point, uh, we were asking ourselves, COVID-19, what, what, are you familiar with that? What is that? And then we, then we progressed to, uh, will it affect us? And the next step was, how will it affect us? And then uh, the next step was, uh, turn out the lights and lock the door. And we entered the season of shelter in place. Remember that? And so at this time, uh, churches across the globe were trying to figure out how best to serve our families and how best to serve our, our Savior with these new uh, restrictions that we had. And in the, in the midst of us trying to make those decisions, which were changing not only daily, but sometimes hourly, uh, I read an article, and uh, I won't go through the article, but I liked the viewpoint of this particular pastor who wrote this commentary in, in trying to figure out if they wanted to go to an online live stream, which obviously we did. Uh, and he said he viewed it as a temporary concession not a long-term solution. A temporary concession, not a long-term solution. And so that's exactly what we did. 
and we met together online uh, for months and months, and we prayed together, and we sang praises together, and we learned the truth of God's Word together, given those restrictions. It was fantastic. Aren't we glad that we were able to do that since we couldn't meet? But now things have changed a little bit. We're not through the pandemic. We're not done with COVID-19, but we're able to meet indoors and in person. Hallelujah. Yeah, so that changes things. And we have seen many of us come back to indoor. And it's been wonderful, because as good as the online live stream was, it wasn't the same, was it? So, but, but there's been quite a number, not just in our family, but across the land who have, uh, for reasons we'll talk about in just a minute, have chosen not to return, excuse me, return in person yet. And in my opinion, we can sort of group those people in two different groups. Uh, group one uh, uh, has what I would call uh, valid and acceptable reasons. Um, Perhaps they have COVID-related fears. I may or may not disagree with that, but I respect that. And so to those people, we would say, uh, when you are ready, willing, and able to come back, you will be welcomed with open arms. You are not forgotten, but we'd love for you to come back when you're ready. Or in the midst of going to online, which we hadn't done before, we saw some uh, things happen that we weren't necessarily prepared for, but good things. People that were sick or had sick children who maybe would come to church anyway, and if your children are sick, please don't come to church. But now we can accommodate online live stream. That's fantastic. Uh, some people are traveling, either vacation or work-related. They can still join us on a Sunday morning live. That's fantastic. Uh, we, we've seen quite a number of people who were not, did not consider themselves part of the VBC fa family who became part of the VBC family over the past 18 months by virtue of first of VBC at Home Online. And so we will continue to uh, live stream indefinitely for those kinds of people. We love that. If you cannot be with us, uh, we're glad that you can still participate online. However, there's another group of people, and that's a group I really want to talk to, although it strikes me that none of those people are here tonight. <laughs> and the likelihood of them watching this VBC forum is small, but I will share nonetheless. These are people that perhaps uh, are still part of uh, watching online, but doing so out of convenience. I get it. I get it. How easy it is to wake up and, and in your pajamas, sit on the couch eating a waffle and, and listening to Gary teach. Love it. Love it. <laughs> to people who perhaps are uh, just lazy. Um, it's too much work to get all dressed up like we do here at BBC. Um, <laughs> and come at 9 o'clock or 9.15. And, uh, and there's others that um, view, the, they don't see the difference between being here in person 
as part of the church community and being online live stream. 10 seconds. And two minutes and 10 seconds. <clears throat> and to those people, um, to quote the venerable Jason Moog, I understand those excuses, but they are unacceptable. They are unacceptable. It's a basic misunderstanding of what church is. If we think of church as a performance to be viewed, then I'm with you. I can do that at home on the couch or here. What, what's the difference? But church isn't something to be consumed. It's not a performance to be viewed. It is a, a community of believers that pray together, that share together, that, that go through the word of God together. Now, we were just talking about how good online is. Well, that's if we don't have the choice to meet together in person. But now we do. That's the difference. And to those people, I would encourage and challenge to come. You will be welcomed with open arms. It will be good for you, and it will be good for us. And I will challenge them to uh, rethink and reconsider the function and purpose of church. Give me a hand, everybody. Preach. We got. We not only got an answer, we got a little mini sermon in there. I felt it. Okay. You had unction, Gary. You had unction. Unfazed by the award uh, music. I love all it. All right. Gary, as a follow-up question, um, and maybe you can save some of your own time here. As, as a follow-up question, you know, We'll we, see. We're here together. Now we're back to doing life, right? So now we're back to seeing the hardships and relationships in all of our lives. And maybe it was a little bit easier to stay hidden as we're apart. So now that we're doing that, what are some of the ways the elders are aware of and caring for the people who are single in our church and just having a hard time with that? Singleness and that whole topic. Yeah, thank you. Great question. You all thought you were One minute and 30 you. seconds, Gary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to actually going to read this response. I want to be very careful in what I say, and it will be easier to do if I read this. All right? Good. I'm not trying to ignore you. Okay. Because we offer a lot of resources for kids and families, and we're very pro-family and pro-marriage, as we should be, singles can feel left out or not as important. That is absolutely not the case. But we need to discuss this more and make sure everyone knows that we value singles and are aware of the importance of their contribution whether they be single temporarily or for a lifetime. Singleness doesn't devalue anyone. In a lot of ways, it enhances their abilities to contribute to our church family in ways that married folks cannot. For example, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about the struggle that married folks have with the divided attention they need to give to the Lord and to their spouses. There are freedoms and benefits that singles enjoy that are blessings, and we want to encourage and equip them to use their time and their gifts well, now, can we as the elders and church and pastors do better? No, not really. No, of course I kid. Of course we can. Of course we can always do better. We never want you to feel like you're lonely or isolated or uncared for. And we are always, always open to hearing input. So please do not view us as, as unapproachable. Mm. Uh, we, we are not perfect, but we'd love to improve not only with singles, but in all areas. Good. Amen. Let's shift to uh, uh, couples and parents that maybe feel like they're in crisis now. Let's hear from Brent. Brent, what, what are we doing to care for couples and parents that might deem themselves in crisis? Three minutes. 
Tim told me I should not read from my <laughs> notes. See what he's doing there? That was no, good. That was just good. kidding. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know about, uh, I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, I was in construction for 30 years and um, God said, hey, I don't want you in construction anymore. And so um, he allowed me to become a marriage and family therapist. Um, with that said, I am passionate about marriages. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, marriage as we know it is under attack today. Uh, over the past years, do you know that uh, the, the number of marriages, the percentage of marriages has gone down? But do you also know that 50% of uh, all marriages end in divorce? That's scary. It's scary to me. But we as elders see the relationship of marriage as the most important human-to-human -human relationship. And as Gary just spoke, please understand that we are not meaning to um, isolate singles or to say that you're not important. You are important, and we want to reach out to you. Um, however, uh, we believe that this marriage, uh, that this relationship is so important um, because the relationship of uh, Christ to his church is explained as a marriage. Yeah. So with that said, uh, what do the elders want to do? We want to provoke, we're going to provide a six-week marriage uh, class coming up soon, hopefully in the fall, um, to help marriages grow in God's way and to help parents being able to, to walk through things. Some of the things that we're going to go through, um, what is a biblical marriage? We have a lot of ideas of what a biblical marriage is, but we're going to go to the Bible and we're going to figure out what it is. Uh, we're going to look at what are the strengths, opportunities, threats, and areas of growth in a 21st century marriage. Um, we're going to look at what happens when we disagree and how to resolve this. How do we resolve this as brothers and sisters in Christ and husbands and wives? Um, we're going to hopefully learn not to just talk to each other, but also how to listen and understand. And then finally, we're going to put it all together and see how to do it God's way. Have you ever thought about, um, have you thought about this? What do you have to do to get a car? get a driver's license, you have to go to a class, you have to learn, you have to drive for a certain number of hours, and then they finally get this to you. Have you thought about what you have to do to get a firearm? In the state of California, you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork, and you have to um, uh, do a background check. What do you need to get married? You go down to the Justice of Peace, you have two witnesses, and you sign a piece of paper. Um, with the advent of this class is what we're hoping to do is to prevent um, that 50% from happening there. Um, we want to provide spiritual insight and opportunities and growth and direction for marriage. As a matter of fact, we're going to call it Marriage Ed. So stay tuned. Wow. Uh, that was well said, Brent. Well said. All you married people out there, does that sound supportive and good for you? Yeah. So both of you mentioned that the elders want to be more available to people for, for all, all, all walks of life. Marriage, dating, engaged, single, all those things. So how can we, Brent, then go about that? How can we connect with you if we're hurting man or woman and get support from you guys and guidance? Three minutes. Good question. So um, we want you all to know it is our desire and it is our role um, to, help, uh, to help you all. First Peter 5, uh, 2 and 3 states, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. 
um, as God wants us to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who, entrust, uh, who are entrusted to you and being examples of the flock. We as elders here take this very seriously. We want to be shepherds and we want to watch over all of you. Um, so who is the all? In Galatians 3, 26 through 28, it says, so, Christ, so, so in Christ you are all God's children through faith. Um, for you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And so as we look out here today to the people here, to the people online, and to the people that uh, attend here regularly, you are our flock. Um, uh, I know with the title of the elder, it can come a feeling um, that we're above or we're different than you. Trust me, we're not. Um, I apologize for this view, and if we perpetrate it as elders, we're going to do the very best we can to not do that. Uh, we want you to know, and if anybody knows me, I'm just a normal guy. These are guys are just normal guys. We've just been given a different role, that's all. Um, and so we want to know that uh, we are people just like you. Um, we're not going to lord it over you. Instead, we want you to know that we are eager to serve you. For some reason, if you do feel intimidated, some things that you can do is you could ask a friend to come with you. And you don't always have to talk to an elder board. You can talk to an elder. Um, and then for, um, I, I know sometimes for either men or women, you could reach out to the, uh, to the men's director, which is Gary, or women's director, which is Connie Johnson, and you can ask them to go with you as well and help you um, and talk to us. Um, please understand, um, if we do not reach out to women specifically, it is not out of, uh, it, is, it is out of respect and not disrespect. Um, we want you to come to us. I know that that can be weird and um, whatever you need to be comfortable to come and talk to us. Um, in conclusion, we're here for spiritual guidance, support, and care. Um, but remember, if we do not know, we can't provide care. So please give us a chance to come alongside. Please give us a chance to love on you. Please give us the chance to share the greatest desire in our lives, which is Jesus Christ. But we can't do that if you don't come to us. Thanks. Thank you, man. I feel loved and cared for. Wow. Um, just, just to add to that, you know, always, 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 elders at vbc.online, any of those things, you can email that email and it will get to all these fellows. And um, yeah, you know, I just, I just want to say, Brent, I appreciate that ending note about just your diligence as leadership and elders towards being above reproach in regards to male-female interactions. And I, I love your heart for it. I know that you care for all of our women, but I respect and just love that you guys are so careful about that. And I think that our church feels the same way. Great. Let, let me real quickly, just as a reminder, for future elder forums, sometimes we'll do each one a little different, and sometimes it'll involve more questions from the audience. So if you're having, if questions are brewing, uh, feel free to, again, those of you who came in a little bit late, you can text one eight three three. 727-8675. I'm going to say it again real slow. Ready? One, well, there it is. 833-727-8675. And we'll get those questions so we can respond back. Sound good? Let's do one more, one more question yeah. and then let's go, to, let's do something fun. This yeah? is quick. This is a really easy, light question to end with. So as we're talking about hardship and marriage and relationship and single people, I, I think one of the most destructive ways that Satan is influencing our people right now and all people in the world is with sexual sin and sexual addiction. So is that on your mind and hearts? And is there anything we're doing as a church family to combat that, Mr. Rainey, two minutes? 
Okay, yeah, so to end on a, on a heavy one on this one, but uh, before the break, we'll need that. Um, yeah, this is obviously a problem, isn't it? Um, the issue of sexual addiction, the, the problem of pornography. Uh, sometimes I guess there's churches where believers meet and they just, you know, want to kind of put their head in the sand and not address it or not talk about it. But uh, we here at Valley Bible know that uh, we, we need to address it in the appropriate way, in the appropriate context, and be a help to those um, who are, are struggling with this, uh, with this sin. It, it's reported, and I don't know if these stats are accurate uh, or not, but if they are, it's deeply troubling that uh, one statistic says, for example, that 70% of pastors are uh, dabbling in or in some way or another addicted to pornography. 70%, if, if that's true. That's extremely troubling. Um, the revenue for pornography surpasses the NFL. Uh, and so you, you just start to think about the, the money that goes in, and, and this is happening to Boys um, and, and girls, but boys possibly as young as 10, 11 are being exposed through their phones and through all of the means now that are possible. And whether you're 10 years old or you're 90 years old, it can be an issue. And so we're very, very grateful that um, there is a couple. Wow, what did those two minutes go? There's a couple here, a couple of couples here at Valley, uh, the Panfilios and uh, Chris and Charlotte Gurgley, who are uh, helping to head up um, a some courses, and as well as that, we have Brent here, who's a, a certified sexual addiction therapist, who are going to be helping couples or individuals who are working through this issue of pornography. Um, they plan on happening, having another one, hopefully in August, so there'll be more details coming from that. We know this is an incredibly difficult subject maybe to come forward uh, and, and address, but all I can say to you is, is that, um, like my dog today, Winston, I, uh, we were out playing and all of a sudden I noticed somewhere on our deck there was one of the um, water sprinkler um, devices on the, on the deck and I thought, where, how did he get the, the sprinkler head? And so I went and I found that he had digged up one and I shouted to him, well actually just quietly or whatever, said, no, no, don't do that. And he, his ears dropped and he went and hid into underneath a, um, in an area in our backyard in the shade. But then I knew the right thing to do was to come back to him and, and pat him back on the head and, and let him know again that he was loved. But his behavior was wrong. I can't have him doing that to our lawn uh, all the time. And so the wonderful thing about the Lord is, is and, and what his word says is, this is an area that is a sin. It's an area that God wants to help us and free us from and deliver us from, but he continues to still love us. And he wants to give us hope in this. So I don't know where you are tonight. Maybe you know someone. Uh, who is in this uh, predicament, who's, who has this struggle, this addiction, whatever their situation is, let them know we have some uh, folks here, including, like I said, Brent, who are more than willing to compassionately help others work through this. And believe me, there is victory in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. These chains, these chains, can, we can be, uh, be broken. And Galatians 5.1 talks about that, that he has set us for freedom. So. Just know that we're, we're wanting to address it, and we have really, we believe, some very qualified and very honest and humble and transparent couples who are willing to walk with you as men and women if you're working through this. 
Thank you, Randy. The, the extra minute was worth it, right? It was great. I was debating. I was like, oh, should I call it? Should I call you it? Need yeah, to, yeah, yeah, need to. Hey, and also, I just want to comment on that because the, the focus was, was addiction when in the form of pornography. But in, in behavioral addictions, other forms like uh, substance addictions, we want to help in all things, right, right Brent? So um, please, this, is, this, this could be the marker for, for you or someone that you love this season to, to address that and be freed of those chains. So, Amen. Yeah, Brent. I, I want you people, I, you're not going to feel guilt and shame from us. If you feel guilt and shame from yourself, okay, but we're here to help. We're, we are put in this position to show the love of Christ. So I just want, want you to know that none of the elders here are going to make you feel guilty and shameful. If you feel that, that's on your own. Thank you, Brent. Yeah. If, if someone, you know, wants to say, hey, I'd be interested in knowing more about that tonight, is there a way they can can communicate with you about that to get there. Yeah, surely anybody can come up to us afterwards in person, but oftentimes we don't want to do that. So I don't know if you've heard, but there's a number you can text. It is, <laughs> let's just look one more time. 1-833-727. Can we put that on the screen? 8675. And it is anonymous. Uh, it texts anonymously. So that, or you can put your name. Um, sound good? Yep. Okay. Hey, let's, uh, now's a good time for a little bit of a break. So if you want to grab a drink or, or water, you can do that. But those of you who stay, and I suggest you do, we're going to play a little game with the elders called Which Elder Is It? Ooh, so, gentlemen, uh, pull out your whiteboards. Yeah, if you go ahead and pull out your whiteboards, gentlemen. We've had, they know they have whiteboards. They know they have pens. Yeah, you can feel free. If you don't want, you no, can. You no, can st- he's trying to get you out of here. Yeah, you stay and listen. If you need to use the restroom or grab a drink, this is the time to do it. Okay, which elder is it? This is how it goes, gentlemen. We're going to ask a question, Sean or I. It starts with the phrase, which elder? And then we'll ask the question. And you have 30 seconds. Yeah, or less to just write a name down. You're going to write a name down. And if it's you, you write, you write me on your whiteboard, right? Does that make sense, guys? You write someone, one of the other elders' names or me. That's the only things that should appear on your whiteboards, gentlemen. Then we'll ask you, some of you to show your whiteboards, and then we'll reveal the person of which elder is it. Sound good? I think the, the winner gets a raise as an elder, so it's really yeah, a high, yeah, high yeah, stakes yeah, game here. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's start off. I'll start one with it. With this. You guys ready out there? Everybody understand? All right, here we go. Which elder during the late 1960s and early 70s wore not only bell bottom pants, not only corduroy bell bottom pants, but purple, yellow, or striped corduroy bell bottom pants? And go! Which elder? Let's say you got 10 seconds. Try to do it in 10 seconds. Go ahead and just write a name yeah, down yeah. there. Eight more seconds. Here we go. Snap, snap. And again, you should be writing another elder's name or the Five, word me. Four, three, Don't show us. Two, Don't show us yet. One. All right, pens down. Okay, uh, uh, Brent, what did you have on yours? Gary Darnell. Gary Darnell. Okay, let's just see. Let's see a couple other people's. How about Devin? What about you? Anybody else have Gary Darnell in there? All did. Oh, no. Randy. Randy. Did you write yourself? He said Randy. Oh, no, you write Randy. I can't read time. You got to write big, write big, Devin. So, Randy. I started with a D, and then I kind of went into an S. So, I was kind of divided. Oh, the Gary's. He said Gary's as a whole. Jim, what did you write down? Gary Darnell. Gary, what did you write down? There. How about you, Gary? Me. Wow. Okay, that's good. All right. Gary, we should ask. 
Val, was he, was he, did you know him then? Was he cute? Okay. Oh, yeah. That, that's what won her Gary, over. Gary, would you, consider, would you consider teaching one more of, time in them? Of course Val knew me then. Why do you think she married me? That's right. That's right. Was the that's right. All right, let's keep it moving. Let's keep All it moving. Right. All right, go ahead, Sean. All right. Are Which you elders elder? ready? Which elder? Which elder is it that for a season of life had a lamb living at their household? Lamb living at their household. A Ten lamb. seconds, go. Ten. L-A-M-B, nine, a lamb. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Pens down. Devin, what, or, go, you yeah, so Devin, what did you say? Tim, Tim, oh, Tim you were writing too small, Devin. I want to see big letters, big letters. No, okay. Leave them up, Randy. Okay, what did you any say? Any other Tims? Okay, Brent. you got a Brent. Tim, what did you say? Randy, Randy. Randy. Wow. I can see you with a little lamb, Randy. Tim, okay. two Tims, Tim. two Randys. Gary, don't know how Gary. about you, Devin, Devin, okay. Brent, Devin, Devin, Jim. What'd you write? It was him. Oh, Jim. You want, is the there a story the behind lambs. that, Jim? Is there something you can tell about that, or do you just have a lamb? He's got stuck in the Old Testament. He got stuck in the Old Testament, yeah. It was not a sacrificial lamb. I, okay. in, in high school, I, I raised uh, livestock, and yeah. I had a lamb that I brought home for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and was your nickname Mary? Mary had a little lamb. No, no. okay, okay. Here we go. All right, now we're going into a little bit of the obscure here. Which elder is it whose first pet was a cat named Smoke. Ten seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Smoke is a cool name. Four. That is a good name. That's a solid name. Two, one, pens down. All right, let's go with Mr. Stafford. Brent, Brent. interesting guess. Brent, what did you say? Oh, Tim. Tim, what did you say? I don't like cats. Devin, Randy, what did you say? Okay. Let's go. Randy, Randy, and Devin is left. Devin's the one with the smoke. A cat named Smoke. Did you hear Tim say he didn't like cats? Except for the ladies. I like the ladies. You like the lady cat. Okay, there we go. I don't know what that means. Go ahead. Give another one, then I'll do it. We're going to move on. Okay. Which elder was it who in junior high school, everyone's going to know this one, would listen to the sound of fire engines nearby. He would listen for them, and if he heard a fire engine, he would chase it down the street to see where they were going. Mm. Ten seconds. Ten. I know that one. That, I know this that is one. an easy guess. You guys know that Eight, one? Eight, yeah. seven, six, five, four, three, two. Pens down. Everyone's done. Everyone's done. Let's go with uh, Darnell. Randy. We got a Randy. Bull. He, with How, many a, with other Randy? How many other people wrote Randy down? Okay, a couple okay. Randys, couple okay, Randys. Okay, Tim, Tim, what did you write, you write down? down? Devin. Devin. <laughs> the people have spoken. Randy, what'd you say? Uh, it's adorable, Randy. It's adorable. This is so now the man who currently listens to weather reports with that same kind of veracity. So. Okay, let's Brent, go on. Let me just say, Brent said all that right. we're all normal as elders, and I would put myself as slightly in a different camp. I'm, I'm abnormal. I agree, Randy. I, I, I agree. agree I agree, too. Randy. Having, all right, good work. Okay, uh, which elder was required to eat a goldfish as evidence of his commitment to a group of men? Wow. Which elder was some, required some to weird eat a goldfish? Right there. As evidence of his commitment Wait, to a commitment. literal goldfish or like a the literal cracker? goldfish? Oh, okay, a literal okay. goldfish. A little goldfish. Okay, go ahead and write that Five down. Five more seconds. I mean, I need a goldfish. Some, some, someone, I need to repent here. I don't know. Three, 
two, one. All right. You, you name him. Okay, uh, Jim, let's hear from you. Who did you write down? Brent. Oh, he, what does he think of you, Brent? Okay, Gary, how about you? We got Brent. Devin. Gary. Gary who? Which one? Stafford. Gary, what did you write down? Okay, Tim did it. All right, he, those are bold letters. Tim, you think? what do you think? Whoa! It was Tim! Tim, do tell the, give this man a microphone. Give this man a microphone. Which elder was required to eat a goldfish? Was it the elders that made you do that? As evidence of his commitment to a group of men. I, I saw joining a fraternity as a ministry opportunity, and that was part of the initiation that I had to eat a goldfish wow. and chew it. This was just a couple years ago? Sorry, I hope there aren't kids here. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Well, that turned real dark real quick. All right. All right, let's move on. All right, which, which elder, this is a great one, which elder got into a car accident in his parents' car while trying to pull off an epic house TPing mission? Ten seconds. Wow. Six seconds. Go ahead and repeat it again while they're writing. Which elder, just picture this. He's in his parents' car. He's probably like 15. Okay. Trying to TP probably some girl's house he thinks is cute. And he gets in a car accident and crashes. It's terrible. Wow. wow. I got my assumptions. All right, I think I, yeah, I think I know. Go ahead. Uh, Randy, what'd you say? Gary. Gary. Wow. Gary. Okay, Brent, what'd you say? Gary, Gary Stafford. Yes. Tim. What? Gary Stafford. Devin. Wow. Yep. Gary Stafford. Wow. All of them. Gary Gary, do tell. It was. Was it Cynthia's house? Let's give the man a mic. Are my mom and dad going to be able to see this video? If they're watching the online. If they're watching online. I've said too much already. Okay. Good. All right. Moving Good on. Moving on. Moving Last on. one. Last one. You guys ready for one more? One more. All right. Which elder is it that took a nail gun and shot his face through his eye into his skull? Which elder? All right, you got three seconds. Three, three seconds to write two, down. one. Show the whiteboards. Everybody, show the whiteboard. All Brent, right. Brent, Brent, Brent. Tim, what'd you write? Brent, and was it Brent? Oh, yeah, Brent. Brent. Do you want to tell? Do tell. Do tell. Nailed it. <laughs> that was good. Whoever said that out there, I hope it's a quester. Yeah. Nailed it. So there's a reason why they have safeties on tools. Um, I was uh, putting a joist hanger up, and I was using a tool for the wrong thing, and the thing came back and sh smacked my nose, and I thought I broke my nose. And um, I went walking down the stairs, blood going everywhere, and I was bent over with my, uh, with my hand on my knees. My nose was running, and... Um, uh, <laughs> One of the guys in the job, he goes, oh, he said, he goes, what happened to you? I said, I broke my nose. And he goes, dude, you have a nail sticking out your forehead. So I shot a nail right here. It went through here. The head of the nail ended up here, and it poked out my forehead. So I looked like a unicorn. Yeah. This is getting so gruesome. Yeah. yeah we're going to we're gonna have to edit this later. I will say, I'm glad to hear that that happened in your construction career, not your counseling career. Yeah. So that's well, good. And the funny thing is they still... Wanted me to be an elder. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, the real funny thing is you left it in there. It's still there, right? It is. All right. It okay. is. I, every time I go through the metal detector at, at the, at the air, airport, it goes off. Oh. <laughs> All right. Would you guys give these elders a hand for that section? Yeah. Okay.
Uh, if you're still with us, thank you for being still with us. We're going to continue on some faith and culture. Uh, uh, Sean, lead us. Yeah, and elders, just for the rest of the night, we got some time to make up here. So help us answer these quicker than you can so that we can get to all the topics. Otherwise, we'll have to cut some stuff. So first up, faith and culture. We're getting into some deeper things as we look around us at the church family. So I've heard this comment a few times through the woodwork. I think you guys have received this. Devin, what would you say to somebody who would say, or their opinion is that VBC has lived in fear with the way that we have handled COVID-19 in the last year? Two minutes, if you will. Zero minutes, apparently. I like two minutes better than zero minutes. Just start going, I'll time you. There we go. Okay. Um, uh, Well, one thing I would say is that, that fear hasn't been a driving factor. What has been a driving factor is what does the Bible say? How should we respond to something like this from biblical terms? And that's what we have, that's been the approach that we've taken. The only thing you could say, the fear would be the fear of the Lord, is to what would God have us to do in this type of situation? So I'm going to combine this question with the next question a little bit, because it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and um, and just uh, go just through real quick. The next question deals with masks, like how what right? Masks and vaccines. Vaccines. What, yeah. How so, are we responding? Yeah. And what I would respond is, I would say during COVID, by divine providence of God, we were studying the Book of Romans, and so I just want to do a quick recap of some of the, the points of uh, Romans, specifically in chapters 12, 13, and fourteen. So the first thing, what did, what did we learn in there? So at the beginning of the chapter of twelve is that we're offering a spiritual, uh, we're doing a spiritual sacrifice unto the Lord. So it's, it is a service that we are offering to the Lord. And so we also looked in verse 2, talked about renewing and transforming our minds, uh, proving out what God's will is. So this is sort of the backdrop, right? What are we, what are we going to do? And then it went on to exercising our gifts that God has given us in, as one body, and in that part in there, if you'll pay particular attention, it talks about what is the function of the gifts. It doesn't talk about so much the form of the gifts. So I'm trying to make that distinction here. The function of the gifts is distinct from the form of the gifts. So we have, we have some freedom and some liberty how we're going to exercise those gifts. So we could encourage, we could love one another, and we could share the gospel. We could do it using Zoom. Going on walks, we could do it with masks or without masks, praying over the phone. We, we learned, I think, through COVID how to value our family as a body of Christ, still with gifts in ways which we could encourage one another, even though the form of it, which we didn't like as much, was not being in here, but it was being in Zoom or in small settings we're still able to, to encourage one another. And at the very end of that chapter, it says that we learn to overcome evil with good. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have to be divisive. We didn't have to have disunity. We could overcome that which the culture was pressing upon us, uh, looking at it in terms of good. In Romans 13, uh, it says that we are to be subject to the uh, existing government because they exist because God is the one who established them. And so they are also for our good. And so it was necessary for us to obey for, uh, as I remember Gary giving this message, for conscience sake, and ultimately to fulfill the command to love your neighbor as yourself. So it can't be just about you and what you thought about how we should react, but you had to think a little bit broader about the people around you. So in wrapping up this chapter of 13, the Bible says to put on Christ and to make no provision for the lust of the flesh. 
So what we want or think we are entitled to should not rule our hearts, but what God says in his word. And then it went on to another important, I think, topic in, in chapter 14. Um, it introduced it as some have faith to eat meat, others not. Some want to observe one day, some another day. Um, but, but these were, were things that, the, that the, the word is instructing us not to judge the opinions of others, that there could be some, um, some things related to conscience in this. And there are some non-essentials in the faith. Should you get a vaccine or not? You know, that's, that's kind of a, a question that you have to answer for yourself. But you should think about certain things that are related to that. One is, um, for some people, it's not possible. Their doctor will say, no, you, you can't do that for your health condition. Or some of it has to do with maybe from your family circumstances. One of the things I think that I've heard some people here, Tim and, and my wife and I, we just talked about it and we said, you know what? This could open up doors. If we have a vaccine, this could open up doors for us to be able to share the gospel. And that's more important to us than what we might think about the vaccine. So um, going forward, we can talk about what are we going to do in, in terms of masks and vaccines. Well, we're going to continue to stick to what the word says. We're going to try to be um, uh, work with what the government gives us. Oops, because my time is out. Uh, work with what the government gives us in terms of um, guidelines and, um, and including masks. But we are, are, as long as the function that we can do in following Christ and sharing the gospel, um, and, and that, that, that has to take place. So if the form is changed, then, you know, we can adapt to that. God is more powerful than, than these types of things. He is able to help us and to, to make things uh, possible. So I wanted to just do something real quick here. I love a good visual aid. I just wanted to ask you, did I become a different person right now because I put a mask on? Or am I still the same person? Am I still an elder at Valley Bible Church? Is my name still Devin? Am I still married to my wonderful wife, Imelda? Did any of that change because I put a mask on? No. It didn't change. So let's just keep those kinds of things in mind, that some things are not essential, and you have to make a conscious decision on those things. But the things that relate to what the Word says in Romans 13 and 14, and in 12, that we're one body, that we need to stick with that. And we are going to do that as a, as a group of elders. That is the way we're going to look at it. We're going to look at what does the Word say, and that's the way we're going to make decisions. Yeah. Not out of fear, and not out of uh, what uh, the forms they are, but out of what Christ calls us to and the function of serving Him. Yeah, yeah, good. Let's thank Devin together. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the answer. And I just, and I can say, you know, Sean and I can attest as eyewitnesses, being in many, many meetings over the past, uh, you know, during this COVID experience. I can't, I, I can't think of a single meeting that was ever governed or even had an atmosphere of decisions being made by anxiety, fear, worry. What are those people going to think? Culture. Those are never, ever the driving forces. It's always about what honors Christ more. What helps us be salt and light? What helps us care for the people here at Valley Bible Church and continue to uh, fight the forces of evil in the East Bay and advance the gospel here? Um, those are always, always the, the driving forces. Yeah, and just to follow up, you know, just to be clear, because you mentioned that we're able to do these things still. We're still able to do the function of our church with these current regulations. You don't have to define the line right now, but just so I'm hearing you correctly, 
there is a line in the sand that you guys would take if the rules didn't allow us to do those things, right? If we could not openly worship the name of Jesus, would you guys still follow those rules or would you take us a different direction? But I, I'm pretty sure the answer would be no. If, if they say you no longer can read the Bible, there's, you can't share that with your faith with other people. I mean, if they started doing all those kinds of things that say, you know, we must obey God rather than man, then we're going to obey God rather than man. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Make sense? Good. All right. Uh, so going even deeper here into the rabbit hole of last year. Uh, Mr. Darnell, uh, on a Sunday a couple months ago, you were talking about the increase, or what feels like an increase in persecution against Christians in modern day culture. And you had made a comment about Black Lives Matter being against Christianity. And I think for some people, that was, they, they received that as confusing. So you mind clarifying what you meant by that uh, right now? Two minutes. Sure. Uh, it, it's actually very simple because the standard by which we determine what person or what organization or group is for or against Christ and the Bible and the gospel is by comparing what they teach, what they push, and how does that compare to what we find in the scriptures. And so with uh, BLM Inc. to distinguish the, uh, the organization from all the individuals in it, which is important to do, mm -hmm. BLM Inc. Uh, encourages, uh, purports, uh, L LGBTQ agenda, very strong on that. Um, in fact, I even got a couple of quotes from their website, which, by the way, they have sanitized. They, they sanitized it from a year ago or so. I'll be right with you. See why I need a, a little music stand? Um, let's see. Their mission statement is to disrupt, and I quote, the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. That is to destroy the mother, father, husband, wife, child structure in the home. And you say, well, who, who would raise the kids? The state would raise the kids. Uh, they also support, as I mentioned, LGBTQ. Uh, they strive for abortion on demand. That is the position that they take. Uh, the leadership of BLM Inc. is, uh, uh, is led by a couple of women. Uh, did that sound, I don't mean that to sound pejorative, but by two women who are, quote, trained Marxists, which means that the same pattern that existed that led to the Bolshevik Revolution in the Soviet Union in 1917 is that which they have been trained in. And the point of their role is to create chaos and anarchy so that then a, a powerful individual or group like Stalin, like the Soviet Politburos, so they then have a context in which they can come in and impose their will on the people. And you say, well, that sounds awfully political. Well, it matters to the believers because it mattered to the hundreds of thousands and millions of followers of Jesus in the former Soviet Union who were martyred because of no other reason than they had faith in Jesus Christ. It speaks of why the church buildings by the tens of thousands were destroyed in those initial years. It explains why even after they allowed churches to continue to function some years later, why they had KGB officers 
who infiltrated those individual local churches. See, Marxism is anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-gospel. And so, for me, it's, it's a no-brainer to say LGB, or uh, too many initials, Black BLM Inc., why I could say with a clear conscience they are anti-Christ and anti-gospel, and they do not support the things that we would give our lives for. And, yeah. Well, thank you, Gary. Just, just out of curiosity, did anyone hear something that they didn't know that Jerry just said that was surprising to you? Yeah. Oh, you? My daughter Wendy did, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jerry, for clarifying. You know, in regards to that or in relation to that, we're hearing a lot about this term called critical race theory. So as quick, give us a clip notes as quickly as you can. Can you define critical race theory? And then more importantly for this question, what are some helpful things for all of us to be thinking about in a biblical way as we kind of process that and things related to that? Three let's minutes. Are the timers working still? Are the timers do, working? I was going to say, let's do three minutes on that one. Three minutes. Three minutes. Boom. There it is. Three minutes cannot be done. In fact, if I could in introduce a topic totally unrelated to this, this is a, a historical evening because it's the first time in my life on earth where I have been wearing shorts and Tim Barley has not. <laughs> I guess that's because he is the executive pastor. Right. <laughs> it's, it's critical leg theory right there. Critical, critical leg theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and something to do with the goldfish. Okay. Okay, I wrestled with how to address a huge issue because CRT is much more complicated, partly because it's been around much longer. Uh, the phrase uh, Black Lives Matters didn't begin until July 14th, night 2014, whereas the critical race theory started to be formulated way back in the 70s at Harvard University. And so it has a, a larger or lengthier history. So what I'm going to do is, is bore you because I thought there may be folks who are not aware of what critical race theory is. So I have just, I did some research to come up with quotes that describe what critical race theory is about. Um, it examines racism within culture and society and seeks to explain how it relates to all facets of life. Proponents of CRT often say a socially constructed system of oppression instituted by white people is designed to suppress people of color. This system can be unconscious or deliberate. Please consider the following. We will not consider the following. But instead, one, one more paragraph. Those who promote critical race theory often seek to force change upon people through accusations of white privilege and inherent white racism, whether it is conscious or unconscious. White people are guilty, now listen to this, white people are guilty because they are white. Okay? Because they are white. CRT promotes some uh, proponents, sometimes employ the cancel culture's atrocious practice, doxing and shaming to force people into compliance with their social justice standards. In so doing, they often elevate the rights of the minorities above the rights of others and show prejudicial favor towards them and against whites. And so essentially, critical race theory 
operates on this assumption and evaluates and instructs people based on this assumption that white supremacy exists. And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you are aware, having ever been a racist, if you are white, you are therefore a part of the systemic pattern in the Western world, if not everywhere, that you are a part of the problem because you are functioning as a racist. Uh, now, biblically, there are a lot of problems with holding to that position, but it points to this reality. There's a reason why it's called critical race theory, because it's just an idea. And it's not to say, now be careful, don't, I don't want to see at the next elders meeting, you said this, what I didn't say is that racism doesn't exist. It does. It does. And we have a history, we can follow it back to the 18th century and so forth, even before then. So, so it's, it's not that, that um, racism doesn't exist, but from a biblical perspective, we, we have a different take on racism. It's not just pointing a finger of blame and changing and trying to create some sense of equity, which is not the same as equality, where people are, are getting paid the same kind regardless of what work they do and so on and so forth. But, uh, okay, I have to calm down because I'll, I'll get going on this. Um, what was I going to say before I got carried away? I'm sure it was vitally important. It must have been essential. Uh, Okay. That. Gary, Gary, what's some? So I think we the, the, the definition is heard. How can we process then everything we're hearing about it just in a biblical mindset? That's it. Thank you, Sean. You That's go. it. That's it. The Bible. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I've landed on something here. Um, how how do we view racial distinctions? We view them in light of Genesis one twenty six. Genesis 1.26 is, takes us back to creation week and it says that all of humanity, and the, the word is translated man in that 26th verse, but many commentators understand that what Moses is recording is humanity. Male, female, all people of all races and ethnicities come under that heading and this is the key. They are created in the image and the likeness of God. That's what sets humanity apart from the rest of creation. We are most like God for the purpose of having a relationship with God. And in Genesis 1, he says it's true of all of humanity. So what gives value to white people, non-white people, is this, that they are the image bearers of the living God. And so we start with that understanding that racism has existed from the very beginning. But why? Because of Genesis 3. Because humanity became, was plunged into a nature of sin and a life of sin and a context of sin. And what does sin do? Sin acts on its own behalf first. That's what makes sin so horrific. And so is it any wonder that when one group of people with a different ethnicity or background or education or it can be any kind of distinction, that when they have an opportunity to take advantage of another group, they would do it. Well, why would they do it? Because they are sinners. Are we justifying it? No, we're just saying that that's what happens. What is it that the child of God needs to understand and do in regard to racism? Well, first we guard our hearts. We make sure that we're not carrying attitudes and carrying already concluded thoughts 
that can't be changed, that we deal with individuals on an, on an individual personal level, regardless of what the ethnicity is recognizing that image of God in them. But we also do this, and I absolutely love this. We won't take time to read it, but in Ephesians 2, 13 through the end of the chapter, verse 22, Paul says, this is what God is doing through his son, that he is creating a new, one, Paul's phrase, one new man that he is reconciling those of diverse racial, ethnic backgrounds. He brings them to faith in Christ. They become children of God. They're changed on the inside. And he says, now that humanity that God had in mind way back in Genesis 1:26, now that is being realized amongst the people of God, or dare we say, within the church of Jesus Christ. The church is to model anti-racism. Now, does it mean that's our reason for living and that's our ultimate purpose? No, no, but that's a part of the Christian life is to develop relationships that are not laced with any kind of racism. And, and one final thing, and this I will bother to read. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Absolutely marvelous. This is around the throne. A new song is being sung before the living God. Verse 9 says, They sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you, Jesus, were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. He bought people. That's what the cross produced. He bought people. Why? For God to be the possession of God. But then notice the, the next phrase. These people who were bought for God are from every, listen, tribe and language and people and nations, and you have made them a kingdom and priest to your God, and they shall reign on the earth. Every ethnic group becomes a target for us in a good sense, a target for us to share that gospel with. Because there's coming a day when we will all, who have come to faith in Christ, we will stand before the throne. We will bow before the throne and sing to this marvelous God because he is saved. And there will not be on that day. And the reason God gives us glimpses into the future is so that we can begin to envelop those glimpses into our life now. But there will not be on that day when we are singing to Jesus Christ any thought that I am sitting next to an Asian, that I'm sitting next to a black person, a brown person. There will be absolutely no thought of that whatsoever. Why? Because we share now more fully than ever in our lives the image of God that God originally intended. And so to have a theory that makes it impossible Ooh, I got to shut up. Uh, just, just one other thing. There, there seems to be evidence, seems to be good, clear-cut evidence, and just common sense kind of evidence that critical race theory increases racism. Yes. It pits people against one another because they're telling me that if you're not the same color as I am, then you are my enemy because you have made my life hard or you have made my life impossible. And that's simply a lie. It's simply untrue. And for the follower of Christ, it is unbiblical. It fights against the very thing God is trying to do. And that is to bring people through Christ into this one new man.
I hope that stirred questions. Thank you, Gary. And I hope it also um, clarified some. Again, you can text that number. I won't say it again, but we'll do it at the end. Uh, Jim, you got, let's, we'll put three minutes up, but let's try to do it underneath that. So like one minute. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've just learned what three minutes is, so I'm uh, calibrated <laughs> I now. I see you there. Uh, for people that they just, it's so easy right now to get bogged down or caught up in the political and, or divisive topics. Uh, what, what advice do we have? How do we care for that situation? If, you're get, if it's easy for you to get bogged down. Yeah, probably the best way to answer that is uh, to talk about it from my experience and how I protect myself from getting too bogged down. Um, the first thing to keep in mind is that uh, regardless of race or gender or your belief, we are all uh, a creation of God. And because of that, we deserve respect. And one of the things that we struggle with increasingly in our society is to be able to dialogue with someone who has a different opinion. And what society is telling us is you either embrace or celebrate what I'm, my opinion, or you hate me. And that's just a lie. So, you know, I would kind of start there and say, you know, recognize that there's a full spectrum from celebrating a position to hating a position. And different, you can have a, a different uh, opinion towards something, but you, you're, you don't have to be at the rail. And so the way I approach a situation like that is to try and have a dialogue. And it should be respectful and to understand, to be for me to be understood of what my opinion is, but also to understand the other person's opinion. Um, and they, they may not respect, they may not be able to reciprocate with that respect, in which case it's, it's, you really need to disengage at that point. But really it's try and have a constructive dialogue and you can still have a relationship and love the person, respecting who they are as a, a fellow creation of God, even though you differ in, in your opinion. Hmm. And that's okay. Good. Good. Thanks, Thank Jim. Jim. And, I, and I, real quick, with things like that, that, that is so helpful for dialoguing with people. If you're someone that you found during this time, you're also bogged down by following blogs, following videos, reading. You need to, we need to stop and really think about the time the affection, the, the thought process, what are you giving to and, and where at the same time have you called yourself a believer that you said I'm going to give my thoughts, my affection, my time towards Christ, but then what are we really doing with our time? So we need to stop and do some kind of self-evaluation with how much time we're giving in terms of reading, um, digesting, and dialoguing these types of topics versus time in the Word, time dialoguing spiritual truths, and time worshiping our God. So that's something I would encourage all of us to do, yeah? Amen. Okay. All right, let's move it along. Jim, we're going to come back to your first question here in a second here. Um, so we're going to change to the category heart of the elders. It's pretty catchy, actually. We just want to know, hear from you guys about your heart and your roles as elders of our church, the elders of our church family, this flock, kind of what your hearts are. And so first thing we're going to do, this might be a doozy, but we're going to go for it and see what happens with the timing of it. We're going to ask all of you to share. Okay. So... Oh. Well, let's try At the same time? Yeah, exactly. Do it in harmony if you can. Um, I've heard you guys sing. Don't do that. So try to, if you can, in one minute. We're going to go one by one by one by one. Two if you really need to, but try to do it in one. Just give us the cliff notes. Please share your heart just for our church family as an elder in your roles. 
So let's start my left to right here. Let's go Brent first, if you don't mind. Let's hear your heart uh, as an elder. For our church family. For our church family. Yeah. Um, so, uh, got to get my bearings around me here. Uh, I started, uh, we started um, attending at Valley Bible Church in 1995. And when I came here, I was what I would call a, lot, a John Wayne Christian. Um, uh, I was on my own. It was God and I. I didn't need anybody. I could get through it. The only things that mattered to me was myself and my family. But when I, uh, that, was, that was pretty shallow and hollow for me. And so what I wanted to do, I, when I came to this church, I went and talked to a pastor. And, and he, I said, hey, I want to do something different. And um, he said, okay, there's a men's group. It's meeting at 7 o'clock on Monday. I'll give him a call and let him know you're going to be there. And that's when my, uh, really my Christian walk uh, started to change and I started a maturing walk. Um, from that, I've been a part of two men's groups for over 20 years. And so what is my heart for, for Valley Bible? What, first of all, this is my family. Um, this is my home. This is my church. And what my heart is, is that we can find those type of relations. Ecclesiastes puts it this way, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one falls down, one can help him up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I like to think that third strand is God. So when two brothers or sisters get together and they live a life and they grow, um, and, and, and it's based upon uh, the, the truth of God, um, we are much stronger. Um, this is something that Jason talked about in discipleship a couple of weeks ago. So my encouragement for you is to reach out to a brother and to a sister and remember that it's not only, um, uh, remember not only may you need someone, but someone needs you too. I know that I certainly did. That's good. Thank, Thank you, Brent. Salatine, if you could help us to put the timer on just to help us know where we're at here. I would just say, um, really my heart uh, for Valley Bible is just that I will um, be more faithful in, in praying for you folks, praying for my brothers and sisters, and to um, be transparent in, in my life and sharing with you as I get the opportunity to, to meet with you, and um, just to be, um, let you know that I, I want to care for you, and um, with compassion and grace and kindness and love, and just uh, to be look out, looking out for where there's, uh, there's needs and hurts and struggles and just to be available uh, in any way, shape, or form in that way. So that's, that's what's on my heart, yeah. Thank you. Uh, a lot of you guys know that I'm, I'm from the East Coast and I come from a big family uh, that, I, that I love dearly. Um, but there's not a group of people that I love um, uh, more than I love the people at Valley Bible Church. Um, you are my family. Uh, and I have never wept more and hurt more than I have since I came to this church uh, over relationships and just watching people make butt, butthead, can I say that, bonehead, bad decisions, um, and walk with them through those things. And at the end of the day, no, that's still my brother in Christ. It's still my sister in Christ, and I, I love them with all my heart, and I uh, have no intention of going any. Where else there have been moments when I've thought about that, but they've only been moments, and they've always, uh, they've always disappeared because this is where I know God wants me to be, 
and I'm glad because there's no place else I would rather be um, than serving him here. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Well, I, I have uh, nothing that we haven't already heard tonight. In fact, it's a bit of a recurrent theme. We as the elders want to know who you are, and we want you to know who we are. We are accessible. It may not seem like that sometimes. And if that's the case, I, no, I want to speak on behalf of everybody else. I apologize. We do not want to be accessible. Shepherds aren't inaccessible to sheep, are they? So we want to know who you are and vice versa. Uh, do we want to know all your junk? No, that's not why we do it. But, but when we know of um, concerns or trials or problems, uh, why do we want to know? So we can walk together through those valleys. We'll also be able to celebrate on our mountaintops together, but that's just how God designed life to be lived in community, together. So uh, please, we, again, we're, we want to know who you are. We love you all. Thank you, Gary. Um, yeah, I, I would echo um, what... Uh, what what my fellow brothers have just said right there. But I just want to add a couple of things. Um, you know, some of us are on full-time staff and some of us are, are not, and we have full-time jobs. And so I'm not able to sometimes uh, be as, as accessible because uh, I'm not a full-time staff person. I have a full-time job. But I'm, you know, as much as I possibly can, I'm trying to do both well, uh, is to do well at my job and be a witness there, but to do well here and to serve as best I can uh, the body of Christ. And specifically at the Altamont, um, just to help it get going and getting it established, it has been such a great joy just to see um, kind of new, uh, new people rising to the occasion and embracing new roles and, and just doing so well at them. And all these little kids running around at the Altamont, if you've ever seen it, it's it's just a joy to my heart because I have two grandkids. Hmm. And um, they were there last week, and they did great. <laughs> and it, it, it is just fun. It is just so fun just to see what God is doing at the Altamont campus. And so that's really, I spend a lot of time and energy and just and prayer over everyone who's, who's there just to try to see how I can encourage them. And um, I wanted to just share one other thing, so I'm probably going to go over my one minute. But... Um, and we also have a care for, I think it was, I forget who was talking about that, but developing new elders in our church. And we had a six-month training class, a bunch of great guys in that class that show great promise, very encouraging. And we're just going to continue to pray to the Lord and ask God to direct us uh, to see what's best for the church and what we can do to help those men regarding the future. So, Thank you, Devin. So uh, take a second and think about who is your best friend. And this, what I mean is who is that person that you would call if something came up and you needed someone regardless of what time it is? Sure. Then you should make an honest assessment. Is this a person that's going to give me godly counsel? And if the answer is yes, take a minute to thank them and continue to nurture that relationship for the time when you need it. If the answer is no, I would strongly encourage you to seek someone out. Uh, why do that? Uh, as Brent said earlier, um, we need that. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So in good times or bad, we need brothers and sisters around us that are giving us godly counsel 
to make us who, we, who God wants us to be. Um, how do you do that? Um, reach out to a person that you think would fit this role and invite them to meet with you. And you need to find what works for you. Uh, my wife likes going for walks. I, you know, sitting over a cup of coffee. But set a schedule. You know, meet once a week or every other week. Develop that relationship. If you're like me, it takes a while. Um, but be intentional about what you talk about. Um, I know us guys, I, I don't know if ladies have this issue. I can sit down with someone for a half hour or an hour and talk about all kinds of stuff that is completely meaningless. So make sure that your time's intentional and you'll benefit. Um, so that would be my encouragement for you. Thanks, Jim. What you've just listened to from these six guys, I've heard time and time again. And it's been wonderful because these are the kinds of things that they'll talk about in elders' meetings. And, and, or an issue will come up and someone will, will have a comment to be made. And it comes from the grid of what you just listened, different kinds of emphases in their lives. And, that, and that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the wisdom of God in having a plurality of, of elders is that they're not carbon copies of one another. And a huge issue that makes us different from one another is what our gifting is. And all of that to, to share what my heart is. And my heart is the Word of God. Uh, and, and I'm in a place right now where I've never been busier than, than what I am. And I have seldom been so much out of public view. And you may be thinking, oh, is he about to whine because he's not noticed so much? <laughs> uh, is that? No, it, it's just the opposite. I love it. I love to meet people now at the Altamont, and they say, so who are you? <laughs> who am I? <laughs> you know, but, but anyway, all, all of that to, to simply say that I'm, I'm going to continue to invest in younger guys as best I'm able for as long as I'm able to do. And like Tim said, I've been here quite as long as Tim and I'm not from the East Coast, but otherwise we're identical, uh, that I have, I have no intention of leaving. I'm not going anywhere as long as God uh, kindly allows us, allows me favor with these guys. That's good. All right. Thank Let's you. Thank the thank elders. You, Gary. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> we, please uh, stay after and thank them if you have time or, or come up on a Sunday or a Thursday night and um, and, and, and tell them you appreciate them. Tell them you're praying for them. We're great. We wish you, we wish you could go all night and ask all sorts of questions, but we need to wrap up. We're grateful that you came. Thank you for coming. Thank you, elders. Uh, we'll close out with one more um, question for Jim uh, that will lead us into some songs. Jim, uh, what's some ways that we can get prayer uh, from you, the elders? Can you show some ways and then, and then tell us what we're going to do in terms of prayer time while we sing? Yeah, sure. Um, so we are honored to come alongside you and, and pray with you. Uh, but as Brent mentioned, we don't always know that that's what you need. So we would encourage you to reach out to any of us directly, or uh, you can also email us at elders at bbc.online, uh, or you can call the church office and say, I would like prayer with the elders. And we can either pray with you over the phone, or we're happy to make a house call where a handful of us, or I don't know, two to two to three of us, will come over and and pray with you, and we'd we'd love to do so.
Uh, so the band is going to come up. They're already up. Uh, we have gone through a tough time with uh, COVID, and we thought that it would be good for us to provide an opportunity for you guys to receive prayer from any of us. And so we're going to hang out over in the, the multi-purpose room uh, while the band sings a couple of songs, and we would love it if you'd come on over and pray with us. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.